0: This is What Are You Into? I'm your host, Kelly Hudson. Welcome back for another open, honest conversation about sex. I'm so excited about this week's guest, Jen Tulloch, who is a filmmaker, but also an actor uh, and just a wonderful person who loves to be open and honest about sex. So she's kind of the perfect guest. I've known her for a while. We've become better friends, closer recently, basically just because of Marco Polo. If you don't know about Marco Polo, it's a great little app for staying in touch with pals. And I've used it a lot over the pandemic to monologue (laughs) to my friends. And uh, weirdly, it gets very intimate and emotional on there. Anyway. Um, I am so excited about this conversation. We talk about our religious Southern upbringings, um, you know, Jen being gay for her Sunday school teacher, (laughs) loving uh, gay porn, and also just growing into our prime. We were both talking about how great it is to be at this age in our late 30s. (sighs) feeling ourselves it's a very exciting time for both of us um Jen is in a show that's out right now um it's a really exciting show on Apple TV called Severance it's so riveting I watched the first episode and I'm so hooked um and I think you can watch the first few episodes now um so yeah check it out and check this out Jen welcome to What Are You Into? Yeah! I'm so happy to have you. Me too. I'm
1: happy to be here.
0: We've sort of been friends for a while. We met, I believe, when we were both working at Super Deluxe. That's right. Yes. And you were kind of like a
1: contract worker contract work <laughs> yes i was a sex worker at super deluxe um we our first exchange was transactional mm. that's not true neither of those things are true no. uh yes i was making a series with my friend hannah yes what was that series called disengaged oh yeah
0: about the gay couple yes that did you the, the concept was
1: that you guys were breaking up breaking and out. should have been breaking up it felt pressure to get Engaged when it became legalized at the federal
0: right. level, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Because there's like pressure to do it right because it's allowed now.
1: Yes, and and generally about like the pressure for queer people to, when given the opportunity, to conform to a heteronormative standard to yes. do it because and be now, perfect. yes, you should.
0: Yes, and you have to. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then after we made that series, you and I did work together as we were like a, a, the in-house writers. there were like mm-hmm. eight of us?
0: Yes, yes. I was a I was a senior writer. Yes, you were. <laughs> and you were very good. Oh well thank you. It yes. was it was one of those jobs where the whole time I felt like I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do.
1: Oh, I was I've never been so muzzled. It was so fucking hard. I uh, walked away with a lot of great people you included. Yes, so I'm grateful for it. Ugh. so grateful we got to make that series.
0: Is that where you met Nora Kirkpatrick?
1: I actually knew Nora you first. Nora's who brought us in to make this Okay, H. gotcha. She's an old friend of mine. Wow. Yeah, she was
0: so talented, and then I met Liz Alvarendly there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot Liz was there. Yes, and we all kind of trauma bonded. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Super deluxe. Man, uh, God rest its soul. It was real hard. Did
1: it have a soul to be rested?
0: Oh, God, no. No. It had some <laughs> beautiful people. God rest its vacant husk. Exactly. It had so many beautiful people and souls involved that were never allowed to like put their hearts yeah. into anything. Yeah. Oh, God. So we met there, and then we haven't like hung out for ages, and probably me becoming a mom had a little bit to do with that. Um and also you becoming a wildly successful actor and filmmaker. Um, well, <laughs> probably mostly
1: you becoming a mom. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, totally. It wasn't like you stopped hanging out with me purposefully. Um, but yeah, we've rekindled our relationship. On? On Marco, Marco Polo. Polo.
1: Yes. I cannot say enough about that platform. It's fantastic.
0: It's really good, especially for our age demographic. Yeah. I think.
1: Well, it has like just the right degree of narcissism because yes. you're watching yourself <laughs> narrate a story without the possibility of someone interrupting. No, but no interjection. Fossil. I also find, as you well know, you get really vulnerable doing it. Oh yeah. And so the the I would say the three people with whom I connect on there almost exclusively now are like very tender, vulnerable, emotional, spiritual friendships. Oh my God, yes. And none of, very few, from time to time it's funny and silly, but a lot of it is like, I'll say I have a new one from a friend and I'll open it and it's her crying and she's like, this terrible thing happened. You mean me? It has been you, it has been me, it has been been others. Yes. There's a lot of crying on Marco Polo. Oh yes. Um, But it's been such a treat to reconnect with you and I'm so glad. I feel like covid Broke and then rebrokered a lot of relationships in that way because I was a full hermit. I mean, I, yeah. yeah, I went in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did too. And I was also having this like extreme urge to expand. Um, and so you know, the podcast has been an opportunity in that area. And then getting on dating apps and then getting on Marco and talking to old friends, I reconnected with a college friend and like. Oh God, we just like opened up about the traumas of the last 15, 20 years. And it yeah. was, ugh. it's so, so healing. Marco Polo is very healing. It really has
1: been. Yeah. I mean, you and I got closer mm-hmm. connecting on there than we ever had in person. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And now exactly. we're combining the two and it's grand. Yes,
0: it is grand. And I remember we had drinks I, like a month ago or something and I mentioned the podcast and you were like, oh, I would love to come on and talk about yeah. sex. And I was shocked. I was like, none of my friends say this. Because <laughs> I'm
1: so prudent.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. But like, who knows how private you are, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know.
1: Cause you know, you're, you're a successful actor. I think it's really important, especially for queer people to talk about this stuff because hell yes. for one thing, we have to destigmatize talking about sex, period, which is clearly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But especially for people like me that was, you know, we're raised in such a conservative environment where it was. Yes. You didn't talk about it. And then I feel like as the needle started to move a little bit, like in my conservative Southern home culture, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, we know you have sex. Just don't mention it. Right. I don't need to talk about it. I don't need to know. <laughs> I was like, well, you kind of do need to know to have a shared vocabulary around it. I'm down to talk about sex.
0: That's fantastic. So did you... So I was going to... I ask a lot of my guests this, like, what was your upbringing around sex? I know you grew up in a Southern um, environment like I did. Yeah. So it was kind of ignored. It
1: was... No, you know what? Actually, no, it wasn't ignored because I I grew up in an evangelical community and and went to an evangelical school. So it was fucking focused. Oh, it was laser focused? focused, Yes. Focus on the family. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was abstinence. (laughs) Laser focused on the family. (laughs) Um, It was abstinence education. It was, you know, specifically the like pop culture, Christian culture, pop culture, Christianity that I was raised in. Right. It was very like, Jesus is your friend, youth minister wears jeans. And so the language around sex was less fire and brimstone. And it was more like, hey, I know you want to do it. God made your body, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But God doesn't want that for you mm-hmm. to enter his kingdom, you know? You don't
0: want to be one of those cheap fucking no, dirty sluts, no. babe. You
1: don't want to be a nasty used up <laughs> little whore, do you? Um, and like the guy who was the youth pastor at our mega church... This guy named Jim Bergen at the time was sort of famous in the in the Christian world for mm-hmm. having written this book. I can't remember what it was called, but it was all about his brave fucking journey of abstinence before he married his wife and how bad they wanted to fuck. Oh man. And then we man, wanted they it couldn't. So bad. And he used to tell this story about how one night they sat on either side of a closed door crying. Oh my god. Because they wanted
0: like, to fuck so bad, and I was like why would you just created a problem? for A yourself? benevolent
1: creator of the universe. <laughs> yes, want this? From ask me. this of you, but yeah, it was very. I was grew up actively, consciously afraid of sex. Right. It was the te- the terror of becoming pregnant if like a guy sneezed on me. Uh huh. Yeah. Then eventually, like around early pubescence, knowing I was gay, and then being terrified of that, mm-hmm. and trying to compensate by indulging. I mean, very G-rated male behavior, but indulging male attention. Right. Um, and... my It's funny, because my parents actually were very openly sexual with each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, they were very in love and affectionate and, like, uh, were very comfortable with nudity. Like, they were naked all of the time and were comfortable with their bodies, which was such a strange disconnect for me, because I remember yeah. being like, this doesn't... What comes naturally to you is actually really beautiful and Mm -hmm. organic and a cool flow. But the indoctrination, you know, was sort of shut all that down. But then I, like so many conservative, repressed kids, went to college, left that culture And then went absolutely bonkers. Mm. Just like Mm -hmm. every drug, every person. I'm going to consume and imbibe everything. I'm going to put everything in my body that I can. Right. And I did. And I hurt myself and I hurt others, but I also had a great time. Right. And learned a lot. I'm still learning a lot.
0: And when when were you sort of figuring out that you were gay and, and navigating that?
1: I had a more innocent concept of it when I was seven. I mean, when... We used to put on the musical Oklahoma. I would like kiss the screen when Shirley Jones was mm-hmm. on screen and tell my mom I wanted to be Gordon McRae kissing Shirley Jones, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Don't you mean you want to be Shirley Jones kissing Gordon McRae?" And yeah. I was like, "No, no, I'm very sure now." <laughs> um, and then, but that was more of sort of infatuation with women, which was both, I think, um, some like deeply ingrained self loving homophobic like femme worship. About, I loved old musicals and I loved theatrics and I loved glam and makeup and big hair. I mean, that's also just Kentucky. (laughs) So I was drawn to women that looked that way. And then I also was trying to emulate that. Mm. So I was trying to look like the women I wanted to fuck. Yeah. Um, And then... Yeah, I think when I was like 13, I started actively thinking about my Sunday school teacher's boobs. Yeah. And like wanting to touch them. And I remember going, taking myself to the bathroom during Sunday school and like gripping the sink and looking in the mirror and like begging the Holy Spirit. To enter my body, which was really sexual. Oh yeah. But I was like, please, like cleanse me of these thoughts. Like I'm begging you. Like so you I started
0: feeling like, okay, this is something I really want, and it's wrong. Oh yeah. 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 For oh, sure. My God. Yeah. I I don't even remember. Like I remember having all kinds of crushes, having all kinds of sexy uh, situations with friends uh, basically just having sex with them at like 11, you know? Yeah. It's such a common story. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't remember any like, you know, us penetrating each other or anything like that, but it was like, so sexual. Um, was it role play? Was it like you're the dad and I'm the often, mom, or often it was like pretend I'm so and so from class, <laughs> like uh, Nathan.
1: Yeah, <laughs> pretend I'm Devin so.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. There was a little of that. Um, not always, though. It was, but it was like I don't, I don't remember thinking, oh, this is gay and this is bad. I don't. I think I was denying it so much yeah. that it was even happening. I was just like, this is whatever. This isn't part of the real deal. Yeah. This is you all just practice. Associated yes. And... I was like, this is all practice for the dick or whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Practice for the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pathetic because it took me so fucking long to even incorporate or like acknowledge my bisexuality. It took so long. And especially since when I got to college, I was like, what groups can I join? And it was like, uh, you're not a lesbian? Get the fuck out of here.
1: That shit's real and drives me up the wall. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been guilty of it in the past, so I should be the first to admit that because when I was totally. in my younger and it's, years...
0: It's natural. It's normal. That was the culture. It's like, if you're not fucking gold star, like, you're hurting us or Which is some
1: binary bullshit, too. Like, thank God yes. our language around gender has evolved because I do think that's informed, you know, how... How we think about this stuff. I've been talking a lot with friends recently about how I wonder if I had been born 10 years early or 10 years later, rather, if my language around my own sexuality and my gender presentation would be different. I think that it would. I don't totally. think that I would be less queer, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would have used the same. Yeah. I l- I don't know that I would have felt inspired to be so militant around my language. You're Right. You know?
0: Yeah, that's so true. I think now it's very like, ah, I'm not going to commit to the full thing, Yeah, you
1: know? Like, that's why I love the word queer. Yeah, And I know some people, it, yeah. it's a polarizing word, but for me, I like it because I think it's a gentle and broad umbrella Yeah, and it allows you to move around how you need to move around. That's so true.
0: Yeah, I really do love that. I, I remember hearing, so like I've been the Dan Savage, Savage Love Listener mm-hmm. for so long and... So many calls in from lesbians being like, suddenly I want to fuck a dick and I feel like the worst piece of shit, the biggest, you know, like just, I've, I've, I've totally betrayed my my culture, my group and it's like, guys, can we just get ahead of this and just be like, you might want a dick someday and we're just mystical little creatures and who knows?
1: It took me way too long to connect the the pieces and sort of recognize my own hypocrisy and how many scenarios I found myself in mm-hmm. with women who identified as straight mm-hmm. where I was dating them or sleeping with them mm-hmm. or ended up in a relationship with them. <laughs> and I was so, you know, like, well, obviously you're not straight. How, you know, how did you not know? Well, totally. And yeah. then never applying that same logic to myself. And while it is almost never that yeah. I have found myself to like a male identifying person, um, I'm trying to be open. Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. So you do
0: have kind of a history with straight women. Oh, honey. <laughs> history. <laughs> it's the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> because it is it is flattering, right? Yeah.
1: It's flattering. It's I all mean, the things. It's, it's forbidden. Ch- <laughs> it's a chase. Yeah. You, you're you made to feel like an exception. It's rip-roaring narcissism and it insecurity is. at its core.
0: It is. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's definitely at the core of I mean, I have, like, such a sexual attraction to gay men. Me too. But it's, like, also just, like, that little, like, but what if they made an exception for me? Then I would be the hottest woman on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, this evil, like, scheme.
1: (laughs) It's so funny, too, because neither of those scenarios really allows for much... I think like <laughs> sexual comfort because if and when you do cross the border and it happens all of a sudden you're like, well, fuck now I better be the best.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It puts you in a very odd position. It's very stupid. It is just like, I think it was just the part of the journey to getting comfortable with myself and, um, and loving myself
1: Yeah. for who I
0: am. And then also being like, okay, I do like queer men for sure. Oh yeah. For sure. And that's a big plus for me of all
1: of the combination of qualifiers I would say there's nothing hotter to me I should say there's nothing hotter well something that is very hot to me is when um like a cis dude who identifies as straight historically is like yeah I'm having a great time hooking up with my bro or I'm falling in love with the bro. I met a person recently who was in a situation like that. And he spoke so openly and beautifully about, and maybe this is like some patriarchal shit where I'm giving them more credit than anyone else where I'm like, but look how much work they've done. But in this instance, this individual human just was so vulnerable and open Mm. about how until that point in his life, he had never thought it was an option and really loved women and was attracted to women and, and he was um, suddenly, just like, what's
0: happening? Yeah, and was
1: really allowing himself to feel feelings for this, <laughs> yeah. this other guy, and I was just like, that's beautiful. Yeah, to me. that's
0: part of it. It's definitely there's like this eroticism around like you're not supposed to though, but there's also like just this beautiful openness, and I love that moment when that happens. I, <laughs> I had I was in a creative writing class at the age of fifteen. And um, my teacher was like this wonderful gay man who really helped us all feel free to write whatever the fuck we want. And I wrote about sex like every day. (laughs) And I wrote a short story about two men that, Oh, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and I really want to read it because it's so dumb. I but want to read it. It's two men just on a business trip who, like, of course, get a hotel room with one bed, and it's
1: on I accident, need you know? I your erotica. <laughs> the world needs, we deserve it, Kelly.
0: Yes, and it's definitely, like, borders on assault because one of them, like, approaches the other in the shower or something, but it's, like... So hot to me in this in this scenario. It's oh, I really love funny.
1: that. <laughs> I know, I know. What is it about the... Th- this is such a thing, I think, especially for our generation. I feel like if you said this to a 24-year-old, especially a 24-year-old queer person, they'd be like, you're ridiculous. Yes,
0: are you fucking crazy? That's rape.
1: <laughs> but Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. But I was going to say, like, queer women... I think especially like queer cis women in our generation when we were first coming out. Yeah. Almost all of all of the people I knew in that community loved watching uh gay dude porn. Yeah. And I love gay dude porn. Yes. There's something about the I... disconnect for me where also it anytime the like sexuality is in that in that context it's already sort of on the outside of the body um because Mm -hmm. it's porn Mm -hmm. but also when it is physically i think like Mm -hmm. that's specific when it's two right dicks yeah it's just so overt there's nothing abstract about it and i think there's a beautiful um (laughs) like abstract quality to when like the people that i date yes. and the kind of sex that we have because of the way our bodies are. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. And so there's something about how male sexuality is extremely overt. It's that's why they have grinder and yeah. we don't. <laughs> I know. And i want a grinder.
0: I want a grinder too. I want like three with like lesbian bars or whatever you would call them. Yeah, you know? there's
1: remember how there are no lesbian bars yes. anymore? Yes.
0: Yeah. It's very sad. I know. Um I was going to bring up, like, sexy movies yeah. that, like, inspired us. I think for sure something that inspired me writing that short story was my obsession with Rocky Horror Picture Show at the time. Oh,
1: my God. Frank because Peter, fucking... Everyone was attracted
0: to Frank Yes. Absolutely everyone. Even Brad, yeah. who is, like, the straightest dork on earth, who was, like, completely caught out of, you know, just, like, completely caught off guard suddenly... Fucking a man. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the hottest thing ever. That scene. It is. But it's
1: also interesting because you said fucking a man. And it's like, I... I, Yes, I don't see frank as a man at all. But I think it's cool because things... Mm -hmm. There are like these queer institutions like Hedwig and Angry Inch and Mm -hmm. Rocky Horror. And I do think that Mm -hmm. the the language that we had when those shows came out was so different. And it was so in the right place and so important. But now it's like, oh... Well, is Frank and a trans woman? Mm-hmm. It, like, or you know, what what actor should play Hedvig? I have a, a a friend who's a non-binary person who's an incredible actor, and they played Hedvig um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for a long time. And they were telling me about how uh, it was interesting to have conversations with people about how you know it was a cis gay man who played Hedvig historically. Uh huh. Um, but then it was like, well. Hevig's a trans woman, exactly. but that's not really addressed. I think that's very cool because I think about things like Rocky Horror that was like one of the OGs, you know, yeah. of of sexual fluidity, of gender fluidity, yeah. and how now we go back and look at those things and we're like, oh, we didn't even know what to say. Yeah. No,
0: not at all. And I, I love that, like, there's – he is dressed – Frankenfurter is dressed, like, skimpy as fuck. Yeah. But there is no focus on the penis, the genitals. Like, Mm-mm. he's, like – out there but like there's no like you can't like see an outline i've looked you know like it's like (laughs) you know i'm not there's no like that because because he's he's in this different role you know it's i have no clue what what um pronouns to even use at all
1: i love i love that i love that now we're we're finally Mm -hmm. we we were developing yeah a new vocab around that stuff and but I, I do think back on things like Rocky Horror. Also, I'm with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. To bring it back full circle to sexy movies. I remember mm-hmm. seeing that and being like, oh my, my god. god. Also, Susan Sarandon. Oh, Jesus. I mean, just ruin me. Just end my god life, fucker. Susie. Fucker.
0: Like, I feel like the Touch Me song is supposed to be so like silly and funny and playful. And it's just the fucking hottest thing I've ever seen. I oh, watched I that scene so many times, just like... Ugh. I'm like, I would
1: love to. Where do you live?
0: Yes, exactly. And also, like, the idea of this, like, himbo, I think they call that yeah. now, just, like, at her disposal. Um, it's just so... The
1: whole movie is so fucking hot. I love it so much. I was at a wedding once, and Susan Sarandon was there. Mm. And mm. Um, I was like, of all of her iconic roles... All I could think was like, oh my God, that's Janet. I
0: know, I know. Sam. Janet's here.
1: She's still so hot. She's hot. Also, I mean, not to force a segue, but I, older, older gals for me. Yeah. That's a big yes. Yes. I just think there's nothing hotter to me than a woman over 50. Yeah. I'm really, really. Really into
0: it. That's great. It's very convenient because we're getting, we're almost over the hill here. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to back you up. I am in my 30s. Yes, you are in your 30s, right? Don't you hate it though? Because we're both 38, 30. Sure. Um, But it's so annoying that I started the pandemic in my mid-30s. I, know. I was 36 I know. and then turned 37 like now the day the pandemic started. And now I'm suddenly in my late fucking, th- about to turn 39. It's so annoying. Why though? Why is it annoying? Um, Just because it feels like
1: a piece of my life was erased. Well, yeah, that happened to all of us. That's true. But I understand specifically what you mean because I, there's something about, and this is just our ridiculous ageism bullshit. Yeah. But There is something about yeah, I we are the same age and I was thirty six when COVID started Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh, I'm in. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I actually think I'm about to come into my prime. Oh my God, same! Though. Super excited about my 40s. Same. And my
0: 50s. You and I both are if... like, I love this age for you. You know, everything's going great. We were
1: meant, I think, to 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 blossom, blossom late. at this yes. time. Yeah, you're right.
0: We we're those kinds of ladies who yeah. have always been sort of
1: already older. <laughs> yes. To you know? put it mildly.
0: <laughs> yeah. You and I
1: have always had the soul of a Walter Matthau. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, and I think that there's something about getting old enough for it to be feasible, but also just wise enough to embrace it and be like, "Oh, fuck it." Yeah, I have no scruples left. I really one of the gifts, and I know it's kind of like fucked up to say one of the gifts of COVID because
0: mm-hmm. I
1: had a place to live and food to eat during COVID, and I know that wasn't the case for everybody, but like. Right. One of the only positive things I experienced during that time was, um, for all of the trauma and the shared trauma we all went through and were privy to, it did come out of it being like, oh my God, I actually, for the first time in my mortal life, don't give a shit about what anyone thinks about me.
0: Oh my God, same. I don't have the time. That is so interesting. I wonder how that happened. It's such a miracle. It's, it it really, it may have been like getting some distance from Hollywood and being like, okay, the brainwashing that I've been put through since moving here is starting to fall away. Mm. Like the bullshit has been exposed. Like the things that I want and the things that I want people to think about me are just falling away yeah. like all of none of it matters anymore and that is really really refreshing because i became especially self-conscious after becoming a mom of mm. being irrelevant how so just not having the opportunity to work uh not having the opportunity to look sexy and hot and mm. be out and partying you know you're working you partying. very hot
1: mom thank you it has to be said <laughs> you you don't get to speak on behalf of all moms because you're like mm. an really absurdly hot mom thank you as you know I also I find uh, like everything around motherhood yes all of it is very hot to me, so I'm yes. not the audience, honey. Right. No, I know. But I know. respect you, and I affirm you. Yes, feelings. I did.
0: But I did... I mean, I feel like there were certain people in my life that made me feel irrelevant because of my life choices. That's terrible. And, you know, some of those people aren't in my life anymore, so that's fine I'm why. glad about
1: that. I like that for <laughs> you. It's good. I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: But it was, like... I think it was a real opportunity to, yeah, get, get out of the bullshit. Yeah. Clean house, have some perspective, and, like you know, make a decision about what kind of life I want to have as a mom living here, trying to have a career yeah, in in whatever way I can. And a
1: personal life. Yeah, yeah. Because you, I I feel like you spend a lot of plates beautifully. And I feel like you give yourself a lot of opportunity for joy and experience. Yes. And I have seen in other friends... Yeah. Not recently, right? My friends, my good friends, currently that our moms are all all killing it, doing great, yeah. But we've all watched someone I think oh, forfeit, yes. like know? our moms, yeah, like for our instance, moms. Yeah. I love my mom, um, but she was doing her best, and she really did, yeah. She gave up a lot, and I can't imagine what it's like, yeah, to not to get older and resent be like, Wait, your what did kids I do? for
0: that exactly why did I do that why did I only pay attention to my kids that whole fucking yeah, time yeah
1: because you were told you had to exactly and you were told you were fucked up I mean now thank god we have all these brilliant have you seen The Lost Daughter
0: no and I'm I'm so scared I know I'm gonna fuck it's beautiful lose
1: my mind but without giving anything away thematically it's mm. about that yeah and totally Um, I think they do it really yeah they do it really well oh god I gotta see it it's beautiful Jessie Buckley man I, I think she's one of the best actors we have She's so glad she's blowing up. Is
0: she the one that was in I think uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Yes. Oh my god, she
1: was so She magnificent. Good. Yeah. Yeah. She she's was on a show good. called Taboo with Tom Hardy that only had one season. And I really enjoyed it. It was a period piece. It was really strange and dark. And at that time, I think she just wasn't as well known and I remember being like, "Oh, that person is really good." Yeah. And I'm so excited to watch her skyrocket, I—I I feel, you know, when you feel proud of someone you don't know, yeah, and you're like, oh, the good guys are women. Yes, totally. That's how I feel about her. I—I I went to a,
0: a Tom York show. You and I have Tom York in have in Ugh. common. I went to a Tom York show on Molly once, and I felt um, <laughs> supreme pride. <laughs> You're doing great, Tommy. I'm just so happy for you. You blossom You blossomed, didn't you? You uh, really I mean, he did. Like he I mean, I can't believe how far that band has come and how he's come like he got to do like Adams for Peace and he has his solo stuff and it's just—it's a very funny perspective to have on someone so fucking famous. I
1: feel the same. <laughs> I think there's something about the emotional intimacy of, of when you really, really have been Connected. touched by yes. someone and inspired by them. I feel that with Bjork. I saw Bjork a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. She's my she and Radiohead are my my Ultimates. end all be all. Yeah, you know, musical apex. But also, just for me, Bjork is my favorite artist across mediums for many reasons. Yeah, but I feel. When I when I see her, the times I've seen her, uh, I felt like oh it's I was lost in the grocery store and I found my mom. Yeah. the The feeling I get is uh, of such safety, Ugh. and like remembering what home feels like. Because to me, her her work feels like my home.
0: Yeah, and it, it's almost like she brings you back to yourself. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: a deep. She part does of what herself. church once did for me. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, the first time I went to a Sigur Rós concert, I was like, oh. this is this is what church should be. Yeah. It's so, yeah, Iceland. Um so speaking of sexy movies, are there any like movies that you think of that like influenced you sexually or that you think
1: of from like younger years? Yes. So, my first my first memory of like watching something on film and being aware of having a rumbling in my body uh-huh. was Singing in the Rain, which uh-huh. was my favorite movie growing up. And my family watched it countless times. I mean, we can all four of us can quote it backwards and forwards. Wow. That film influenced me in major ways, generally. Donald mm-hmm. O'Connor is the reason I wanted to become an actor and do comedy, et cetera. But there's a scene. I don't know how well you, how well you know the film. I've seen it once in okay. the last, like, ten years. There's a... Uh, A dream sequence, a fantasy sequence, where Gene Kelly's character does this fabulous... God, I want to say it's nearly 10 minutes. And it's only dance. There's no...
0: Yeah, the dance sequences
1: are absolutely insane. And he does this sequence with Sid Charisse. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is... I mean, frankly, I can't believe they got away with it at the time. It is so drippingly sexual. And they do this dance, and she's in this flapper dress, this emerald green flapper dress, and this sort of vamp... Jet black wig with the short crop bangs. And Sid Therese is one of the greatest dancers that ever lived. She was just phenomenal. And I, you want to talk about kinks, like women who dance? Mm. Oh, get out of town. <laughs> get out of town. I'm not safe to take to the ballet, honey. Oh, I'm not safe. Wow. But she, <laughs> she, they do this dance and it's really sexy. And there's a moment where it's escalating, right? She's seducing Gene Kelly's character oh, I through just, dance, right? Yes. And there's a moment where the music escalates and he throws her in the air and catches her on his hip. And so one leg is out. And she's got this look on her face of like, I could care less. And uh-huh. she slides down his leg oh onto God. the floor. And the first time and then subsequently every time I saw that, I was like, oh my God. I I remember like my lips were tingling. Mm-hmm. This started at like age eight. Wow. And to this day, I'm I'm... I'm working on a job right now that's a period piece. And when we were going through what to do with my hair, we were trying different wigs and stuff. And there was yeah. one that looked exactly like Sid and in Singing in the Rain. And we were like, huh. And I was like, I, for one thing, I cannot pull this off. Right. Sid Charisse was like nine feet tall. <laughs> um, I looked like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> but just just seeing it on the wig head, I was mm. like... Oh, my God. <laughs> it, like, all came rushing back. And I had to show the scene to all the poor people in the in the hair trailer. We're like, okay, sure, she's pulling it up on YouTube. Great, we're going to watch the whole thing. And I was like, no, you guys don't understand. Oh, my God. That one. And then later in life, like, more explicitly, I would say, um, after I'd come out, but before we started actually having some queer content. Right. Some lesbian content in films. Waiting. For any film I knew that had a lesbian love love story or sex scene, waiting for it to come out, there was this really <laughs> sweet, very G-rated rom com called "Imagine Me and You" mm-hmm. with Piper Perabo and Lena Headey from mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 so lovely and sweet and like rose petally and right. I remember I saw the trailer. I think I was. 20 when it came out and i was like (gasps) and i had marked on my physical paper calendar when it would be out on dvd oh my god so i could run and get it and watch it because i was so starved yeah god what about you
0: all these years well okay so if we're talking about like women that really got me going well it was always like the combination of chemistry between them yeah usually a man and a woman because that was what was depicted. That's yeah, what we had, yeah. But Batman was huge. Mm, which Fucking Kim Basinger as Vicki <laughs> Vale in The Batman. Come on, man. Uh, that shit, like Michael Keaton as like kind of this like a little bit clueless, doesn't know how hot he is guy, sort of just acting like he doesn't really know what's going on and also he's like this rich guy or whatever. I just loved, I loved his portrayal of Bruce Wayne and I loved how... Like, every single look that she had, I was just eating up. Like, I want I want a drag queen to do only Vicky Vale from that movie uh, looks. Wouldn't that be the best? Like, yes. so many iconic looks. Ugh. And she was just, like, the, the woman that looked like her was my ultimate fantasy at that age. Because I had a brother that was much older. He was 11 so years older.
1: the... The empirically like, the
0: like male maybe, fantasy yes. version. Long <laughs> blonde hair, yeah. tan. Yes, like it was like a a beach Barbie with yeah. like long and like crimpy hair was good. Like anything crimpy that looked hair like, was good. Yes, like anything that looked like a Barbie. And I remember my brother had a girlfriend in high school, and I was like five when he was sixteen. So okay. he would bring home this woman, and I was five years old, and she was like looked like my barbies because she's like some girl in the 80s you know in yeah. high school in austin texas and i'm just like yeah it was it was really driven home by the kim basinger and michael keaton i think michael keaton and steve martin were two of the first people i had sex dreams about go on i don't even remember what the there was it was probably just sexual but i was like in second grade steve martin
1: <laughs> i love this <laughs>
0: I think it was, like, L.A. Story or something. Some movie I saw him in as a kid that I was just like, mm
1: mm, mm. mm, mm, First person I ever had a sex dream about was... Sorry, I'm eating a piece of falafel. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> was a girl I went to middle school with.
0: Oh, my God. Her name was
1: Lindsay. And it's funny because her her name was Lindsay Saylor. Bless her heart. She'll never hear this. I hope not. <laughs> but in my dream it was a maritime themed dream in fact oh. we were in a storm and we were like I think I was 14 mm-hmm. maybe and she was 16 something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and, and nothing ever happened between us in real life but in this dream we were like helping each other on the ship wow and then one thing led to another but I was 14 and so repressed <laughs> so it wasn't I didn't know what sex would Who look. Who knows like. what was supposed to happen? It was just like a lot of making out in a storm and like yeah. like rain slicking our hair back, I'm beating perfect. our bodies, and just like could not stop kissing on this boat.
0: What was that? What was that music video with the like lesbian girls, the tattoos? Oh, sister? the things you said. Yes, the
1: said,
0: yes, like there's like pouring rain in oh, that one too. Pouring rain walking yeah.
1: out. <laughs> and they're in like half school girl uniforms. Oh, perfect. perfect.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's rough stuff. Um but okay, so Kim Basinger, and then that led to and then of course Batman Returns comes out and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's like, okay, now this is my shit. Yeah. She's like i would pretend to be michelle pfeiffer and it was such an interesting thing to want to be the people you want to have sex with you Uh want to be them and you want to fuck them it's really interesting and like over the years i've kind of used that to my advantage whenever i started to get jealous of someone uh another woman for instance i would be like why don't i just turn this around into me wanting to fuck her. Why don't I it, just objectify? Exactly, you? <laughs> it kind of takes all the power away from her and puts it We're in my. We're really court. good people, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really do that anymore, oh especially not purposefully. Like I, but that was a really good tactic that I used for a while to avoid being like jealous and pissed at women. Um, which, yeah, it's very, it's very silly. I
1: want to stay in the the Batman universe Mm -hmm. and say for me a big one was oh and still always will be a Halle Berry oh wow I never saw that one Halle Berry but holy shit I remember like just seeing a red carpet snippet on entertainment exactly just her in a dress like that's
0: the most beautiful woman that's ever lived exactly she doesn't have to be in character or in a movie she's so just in a dress and you're just like holy shit you're tits or the best
1: boob you're the boobs I the boobs. I'm yes, I I'm, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of her is very attractive. I I also just think she's brilliant. Yeah. Which yeah. is hot. To it's me. part of it. Yes, it is part of it. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. So there was Rocky Horror Picture Show, obviously. I saw that when I was thirteen and got completely obsessed. And then of course Labyrinth is a big one for me that I've brought up on this show many times. I mean, the combination of like this beautiful girl who I had a crush on, who was a child, and then this... Oh, Jennifer
1: Connelly, right? Yes.
0: And then this, like, sexy adult goblin man, you know?
1: (laughs) And you're just like... And thus a type defined. Exactly. Indeed. Sexy adult goblin man. Yes. No, no, no. Not children. Uh, (laughs) Never mind. You know what? Let's go and cut that one out. There
0: (laughs) There was a... There was a, like, describe yourself in three movie characters trend going on on in Instagram a few years ago. And it was like, you would put, like, these three movie char- characters sum up my whole personality. And mine, yes. I put I put Sarah from Labyrinth, uh, Jareth the Goblin King from Labyrinth, <laughs> and Hoggle from Labyrinth.
1: <laughs> wow. One stop shopping. Yes.
0: And I was like, this is perfect. This sums it all up. That's great. Yeah.
1: Mine would probably be Lena Lamont from Singing in the Rain, mm-hmm. Don Lockway from Singing in the Rain, and, uh, oh God, what was Donald Connery's character's name? Con uh, Conway. Shit. Wait. From, this is from Singing in the Rain. Yes, yeah, Singin'. Singin'. There's, there's no G. Apostrophe. Singing in Singin' in the Rain. Singin' in the Rain. Mm. Uh, mine would all be from Singin' in the Rain.
0: Mm. <laughs> Speaking of Singin' in the Rain, I just watched clockwork orange the other night
1: i've never seen it
0: holy shit like this movie i saw i remember seeing scenes of this movie when i was much too young because my oldest brother was obsessed with that movie he dressed up as those guys for halloween when i was like four years old or something and he must have seen it too young too but it was like i saw it the other night and was a little nervous because i know there are rape scenes in it and Mm. like I was like, okay, I might get triggered here. This is really kind of, I didn't get triggered though. It was like, I was able to see the, these rape scenes are just like, (sighs) you don't even really see the actual assault, you know, Mm. it's just kind of like the beginning of it. And it's just sort of too. it's just like, this is a ludicrous scenario. And these people are so fucking bonkers, disconnected from humanity. Um, but I just, it was so crazy watching this movie and being like, oh, I remember seeing this. I
1: remember seeing this. I remember, you remember this. seeing I remember the this. sexual assaults. I remember, yes, a yeah. Tr- trigger warning on this one.
0: Yeah. And then at the very end, he he kind of, I feel like there's like a moment at the very end where he's getting like photographed for the newspaper and he kind of has this like weird hallucination. Of this, like, naked woman, like, in slow motion, um, like, I don't know, on top of some guy. It's a really weird... Mm,
1: Yeah, I don't think I need to see that. You don't want to see No, I don't need to see that. I can't watch sexual assault scenes. It's it's
0: terrible. It really is. It's terrible. Um, The whole thing is so scary. But, like, the art design and the... The fabricated future reality. The language is so fucking interesting. It might just be something you should read because it's a book too.
1: Yeah, there's some things and the zeitgeist that I'm I, I feel okay having missed. Right. Um, and when I know there's scenes like that and them, um, yeah, I'm I. I'm old enough now to know, like, what I don't need to put into my consciousness. Totally. And that's one of the things. But I know yeah. how beloved that film is, and I. Oh my it's, God. it's interesting that you felt that way.
0: Yeah, I had many moments where I have just laughed my head off. Yeah. Because of how insane everything was. Wow. Oh. And, um, yeah. Well...
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's our plug for and, Clockwork Orange. Yeah,
0: there it is, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Check him out. Um, so I guess I wanted to talk about because you're open to talking about it. Like, what was your masturbation history? Mm, yeah, I uh, mine can be summed up very quickly. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. at all, was not told anything definitely knew about penetration at a certain point so like when i was like 14 or 15 i went around the house trying to penetrate me myself with all kinds of things no luck but then oh, my yeah. my <laughs> my brother's girlfriend told me about the faucet but that wasn't until i was 17 and so i started having orgasms by positioning myself under the faucet in the back. so
1: you had sort of a climactic mm-hmm. journey <laughs> I guess Come on. It, well, was it was more, more like, like it grew I mean it did but I was I
0: just spent years desperately horning, having no idea what the fuck you're supposed to do about that There
1: were so many kids in our generation we just weren't god how what did I what a different trajectory it would have been and I wonder how it would have informed my adult life if I had just felt joy around experiencing pleasure. I know. And and even thinking now, wow, the even miracle now. of the human body. Wow, so cool my body can do that. So cool somebody else's body can do that to me. Yes. And the clitoris exists only for pleasure. How interesting. I should take advantage. It, yeah. All of it, not even just the specific anatomy. I think like if right. the, the fantasy the of whole sex. Body. Yeah. And the using the body for pleasure and not for something not for duty mm-hmm. or uh, something you know for me, my body was like your body is a temple because that's what you're taught in Christian theology, yeah. And you're a daughter of Christ, especially women, of course, held to completely different yeah. standards. I yeah. mean,
0: the word I, daughter
1: just already oh, puts you disgusting. in this place of shame. Um, yeah, you were bought, you were bought at a price that's from scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of the that line of thinking definitely informed the way that I did or did not allow myself to experience pleasure by myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That changed as I got older, yeah, but there were I do remember specifically having a rule where I wasn't allowed t- to masturbate the night before church. God damn it. it was a gift. i was it was like a sign of my of my honorable devotion to the Lord, yeah that do you see on Saturday nights, I won't do this. Even though my body is teeming with hormones and me and everyone else in my age group of all genders are dying yeah. to just do this. That's all right? we wanted to do. And I would lay in my bed and actively commune with God and and be like, this pain I'm experiencing and this longing and no. this is for you.
0: And it also becomes at that point kind of a sexual relationship with God, right?
1: It, absolutely. I remember having... Uh, c- uh, conversations with another person my age when I was like 16 and we would pray together and we would f- pray so fervently while mm-hmm. holding hands that it felt I now understand it was psychosexual I now understand that it felt orgasmic mm-hmm. because you talk about the Holy Spirit entering your body you talk about all of this stuff that of course you don't understand at the time you're describing a physical a psychophysical spiritual yeah. experience and uh and it's just horny oh yeah how... looking back on that now all of it too not even just the sexual stuff like in worship when you're you're jumping up and down hysterically with your hands in the air and sweating oh my God, yeah that's just ecstasy uh-huh. like that's just needing to move your body and needing to yeah w- whatever eject whatever it is you're going through and um but sexually yeah i do find it really fascinating because there were so many instances around my relationship with what I thought was the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, but I think in retrospect it was just my own spirit
0: hey, absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah that 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 that's what I came to as well all the whole the whole spiritual thing is all within us, yeah, we get to create that and channel that however we see fit, yeah, which is so funny. It makes us it it makes me feel insane sometimes to to remember all the shit that I used to do as as a practicing Christian and all the, like, weird mind games and, like, torture I would put myself through. It was like we were fucking in a mental institution, like... It's, um... <laughs> battling ourselves for no reason.
1: I mean, there's a reason the phrase spiritual abuse came into... Yeah. You know, common psychotherapy parlance, I think, like, in our adult lives. And that's because, not to get too dark, but... um. That kind of indoctrination in any repressive faith system is, it's, there's always, it's always going to lead with no sex first. It's like shut down your body because listening to any physical or emotional instinct you have is going to produce a result that we as an institution don't like. Right. And so don't do it. God says don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the cool stuff about all of that shit is that it leads to some delicious adult kinks. <laughs> I was gonna say some
1: delicious adult healing, but yes, yeah, no, that but, too. But healing through kinks, as healing well.
0: through kinks. Like I feel like kinks basically exist for healing.
1: Yeah. Oh this, yeah. Like for me. When, for sure. Oh, me too. I think uh, it was also such a like uh, antiquated notion I had in my twenties that like anything that was sexually adventurous or say involved pain mm-hmm. was was fucked up. Mm-hmm. And it was about like trauma and it was about like. Daddy issues. Yeah, like, well, who whatever among us it is. doesn't have a daddy. Issue. Like, it's a. I mean, I don't, but um, <laughs> my. Yeah. Good. But I'm gay, so you can sort of imagine which direction that runs. Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, And it. What was I going to say? Uh... Oh, that
0: like. People suffering oh, and like all
1: that. Right. Like Anything involving BDSM or want like wanting to be wanting to experience pleasure and pain in tandem was like, oh man, you have to get that healed. Instead yes. of, no, this is an opportunity to express something, is an opportunity to marry the two, right? To yeah. marry your past and what you now know you enjoy. And I think that um that's been a beautiful thing I appreciate about uh well, in my experience, I have a therapist who's super sex positive. Yes, and me too. That's been huge because she's constantly catching me and being like, "Why is that weird?" The thing you just described. Yeah. I'm like, well, because it's well, she's like, we're, you know, we're either party harmed, Was exactly. either party harmed. No.
0: Exactly. Someone asked me recently on I did some other pod. I did Goth Yearbook, this other podcast slash radio show, and someone wrote in a question, being like, "Do you think any like?" BDSM or kinks or anything like that like can you go too far and I was like absolutely not if you have two consenting adult parties right
1: consent is the magic word of exactly. our whole generation realizing we were allowed to be playful and adventurous yes. as long as there was respect
0: right exactly I get really um not triggered is not the word but I I get really uh pissed off when people this is a stupid hill to die on when people refer to Army Hammer as a cannibal because I'm like no, 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 no you missed the point he's an abuser he's a manipulator but he is not a cannibal he has a cannibal kink and that is a fucking completely different world like why do we need it's just it's about an actor who's famous having a kink Everybody is losing their mind well, over
1: that shit. Well, it's also about him being a, a, yes. a rapist, but people really focused yes. in on that. And shit. I find that's that the that, because it's salacious and it's a it's a juicy headline. Took away from what he actually exactly did, which for was the horrific. actual
0: shitty shit he was doing. Yeah, yeah, and I, how he uh, was like treating these people. It's like it's not about like. I want to eat you like I'm so turned on I want to eat you like that shit can be awesome
1: yeah it's it's sexually assaulting people <laughs> exactly yeah
0: yeah 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 that's interesting it's yeah it's it's silly but it's I I really hope that like kinks and, and people's understanding of all that broadens me too and calms the fuck down
1: for all people yes it was always fascinating to me when I met couples, they were mostly all straight couples because of the context I'm about to describe, mm. but when I met couples that identified as Christians specifically, not just any religious people, but specifically Christians, because mm. I know that world, yes, that talked really openly about their sexual relationship, and I was like, you know, I can't get down with everything you're about, um, but I at least appreciate this. Yeah. Because it was always very surprising to me, and maybe that's my own prejudice, Um, when I heard people from that culture talk about how much they loved having sex with each other and what they like to explore. And I was like, well, that's it. I'm glad you at least that's have that, sense. you know? Yeah, you have that also, going for you. I should say, I think, like, uh, different strokes for different folks. I think there are faith systems that work for certain people. And that particular one hurt me a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of bigotry totally. there. So, yeah, not a fan. But, uh
0: it's pretty miraculous. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I honestly haven't met that many where that's something. It's, it's. I mean, you know, I'm from Texas, but I, it's mostly couples being like, "Well, we
1: don't talk about that." I'm not
0: gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. That's interesting. I feel
1: like our parents' generation, at least in the South and South-ish where I'm from, uh didn't, as a rule, generationally, like that's a big generalization, but. It just wasn't a thing unless you were like raised by hippies. Yeah, um, if you were kind of run of the mill, working class, middle class, right, m- mom and dad. Yeah, um, I feel like that just wasn't. I never heard my friends' parents talk about Mm-mm. sex or
0: Mm-mm-mm.
1: even like conception beyond talking about yeah the abortion.
0: And I remember seeing yeah exactly yeah fucking abortion. yeah I remember seeing a Playboy and my friends. That, like parents' bathroom, and of course, I had to assume it was for the dad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, yeah, exactly. I would hope, like, maybe at least you know, she was reading it too, but like, reading it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so funny. Like, at that age, I was so harsh and judgmental, like, I was just like, Fucking
1: pervert. (laughs) God, ew. Such little puritanical shits. Yes. We did what we were programmed to do. Exactly.
0: And I remember being at a party where the adults were drinking alcohol as a kid and I, again, was just like, oh my God, these people are
1: terrible. These hedonistic, feckless
0: monsters. Yes. Disgusting. Uh Uh Now look at us. I know. (laughs) Now look at us. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, are there any like particular kinks that have manifested in your life that you're comfortable talking about? Um, I've had a whole sub explosion. Yeah. Uh, of you being a sub? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my deal. I mean, I think being I, I feel like there's two categories for me. It's like dom or sub, but then there's all these different variations and things that you can do within those. It's just like the power dynamics. And for me, I think in certain situations I would enjoy doming a little. And it comes out sometimes, but mostly it's just such a relief to be in that position where someone's like, I'm going to take care of
1: everything. Oh, yeah. Honey. I mean, the way I show up is specific to the person, I will say. Mm-hmm. I have felt I've mm-hmm. gone through phases of both of right. being like, I want to be told what to do or yeah, um, vice versa. But I do feel like it depends on both where I am in my life and who that person is. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I've run the gamut. I think a general. I mean, these are kind of tepid, but like early on when I was a kid, I, I remember fetishizing uh, women who wore like, any type of bangle or clanky bracelet. Mm-hmm. So when if I had a teacher that was wearing multiple bracelets when she wrote on the chalkboard and they playing together, I I was actively turned on. <laughs> And so to this day, if specifically a, a, a woman has on bracelets that make noise, I'm up in a puddle. Like, oh I'm, I'm dead. God. It is still, it will always Take be. Take notes, ladies. I mean, it's not even a teacher thing, because yeah. I've never been interested in that trope. Yeah. Um, it's a specific, there's something about costuming. It probably goes back to singing in the rain. Singing in the rain is where all my kinks developed, okay? It's Sitcherese, so women who dance. Yes. It's the 1930s. Like yeah.
0: it's... I mean it's not that crazy that that's where your everything started for you because it is sexy. Like the whole movie oh, is fucking hot. Yeah. And the the clothes, the costumes, yeah. the sexy hot people, dan- the dancing, um but it is funny to me because I'm like I'm I'm not a musical person yeah. and it's just it's it's so it seems so uh, innocent, you know, singing in the rain. I mean,
1: watch it again. <laughs> watch Sid Cherie slide down Gene Kelly's leg, leg and tell me it's
0: innocent because it's a moment. It's like the Salma Hayek pouring a drink down her leg moment in oh, the oh *Dust Till Dawn*.
1: Oh my night. god! Yeah. so many. I'm trying to think of other ones. Like I, uh, maybe that. No, I, I would say this is still a kink. It's less of a kink, but I I show up very differently. In situations that happened accidentally. Mm. So, for example, if I've historically, when I was dating, like if I had met someone on an app, it was nearly impossible for me to find it hot. Mm. There was something about it being oh man, like not ordained, like not. I have to crash into someone to be like, now we can experience yeah, abject passion. Yeah, because we it just happened exactly. Which I'm sure if I really. Investigated that for myself, I could maybe reframe, but it's so hard for me to be like, Oh, I've been set up with this person. Oh,
0: that makes so much sense to me, you know? Yeah, like, because I do find with people I meet on apps, I at least need like time to like develop a fresh, like, it's almost like I'm pretending I'm meeting them somewhere because I'm like, Oh, well, we've developed our own vibe and it has nothing to do with whether I swiped or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it does, that does make a lot of sense because apps are hard for me too.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not currently dating right now. I'm, I'm in sort of an intentionally alone Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're busy as fuck. And I am very busy. I'm dating my career. Yeah. uh, Kind of it. I'm, I, I am, I, I'm, uh, madly in love with this thing. I'm madly in love with my career and, and with being healthy and enjoying my own company. But, uh, when the time comes to date again, I also think that um, I'm interested in the idea of like prolonged pleasure, but as an overarching theme in an exchange, like not just sexually, like, for example, not having a physical experience with someone immediately. Mm-hmm. And waiting and seeing what that feels like. Yeah,
0: waiting is good shit. Yeah, waiting on
1: so many things. I think I've rushed a lot in my life, Mm -hmm. and I rushed into, I rushed coming out, I rushed becoming sexual. Yeah, and I didn't really allow myself the time to explore and like be kind to myself around it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited to get to a point when that's back in my life to. Be gentle and slow.
0: Yeah. And make intentional choices. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Where
1: it didn't feel like
0: it just happened. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I do love it. It just happened. Yes, that's true. It's like in line with DMV. What? Yeah. Ooh. You weren't supposed to be at this dinner party. You're whose cousin? <laughs> I mean, it's just like every ridiculous writer cliche. It's just so good when it's an accident. Totally.
0: Um. So, without giving anything away on current
1: projects you're working on. Yes. I could um, talk a little bit about them. You
0: could. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I was wondering about like love scenes. Yes. And like, I, I know you've done some. Sex scenes in the past, or like kissing yes. and all that shit. Yes. And I was wondering, like, what is it like to because you can totally tell when chemistry is good on screen? Yeah. And like, how, what is it like to develop that with another actor when you're fucking working?
1: I've had both experiences. Mm-hmm. I've had the experience of it not the chemistry not being there, and even with a person I really liked. Like, yeah. I, uh, and I've, I've done, At least, like, sexy, kissy, and then a few actual, like, sex sex scenes with Mm -hmm. people of all genders. Yeah. Um, As a pretty gay person, Mm -hmm. I find it easier to do it with men. Right. Because they don't occur to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not thinking about what they think about my body. Yeah. There's probably some heteronormative fucked up thing from my... Background that's still in my mind. It's like, well, if this is a male-identified straight person, then there's some part of them biologically that's gonna respond to my body biologically. Yes. You know, it's a given.
0: It's like this false confidence. Yes, yeah. which isn't fair to I say. Of same. course, but I have like, the same thing with men. I'm, I'm definitely overly confident. Like,
1: oh, this is easy. Mm-hmm. No and offense, I, men. Sorry. No, we love you. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, I've had experience. I've never had a bad experience, I will yeah. say. I've been lucky. And I haven't done a lot because I mostly play characters that are auxiliary, funny, weird, or um, trouble. I'm very rarely the like romantic lead of things, um, which is, is, is maybe changing. It might be changing. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: That's very exciting.
1: Yeah. But historically, I've had... You know, honestly, the the one I'm comfortable talking about that's funny because she'll laugh if she hears this, but mm-hmm. Hannah uh, is one of my best friends, and we made a lot of stuff together for a while, too, I made disengaged with. Yeah.
0: And Hannah's yeah. notoriously straight. Or oh, is she? I, I, I wouldn't say that. Okay.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's how she identifies. I definitely
0: used to have a crush on Hannah, and so well, I was definitely yeah, you like oh, she's else. straight. Fuck off. She's
1: crush worthy. <laughs> um, no, I think Hannah is an is as open gotcha about her body as she is with her work. I'll say right. that. Okay. Next um, person. Yes,
0: she's and I was joking
1: about notorious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is notorious, <laughs> but I wouldn't say notoriously <laughs> straight. Um, she and I are like siblings. We're very mm-hmm. close, mm-hmm. and when we We made a short together where we played a couple.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was different because it was funny and it was about a couple that was breaking up. So it wasn't really, we never even kissed. Yeah. I I think. But when we made Disengage, we agreed in the story at a certain point in in the season that we needed to see them making up. We needed to see them kissing and being attracted to each other. And we just didn't think about it when we were writing it. It was like, of course, and then we'll do that. And and then you got on the set, and we got to the day, and it was like, oh my god! God. And we're both looking at each other, going, "You're beautiful." No, I know you're beautiful. It's not that. And I was like, "You don't have to explain. This is weird (laughs) as shit." And each, like, to be honest, just like had to sip a little whiskey because we. Oh, I would too. If it's a hot makeout in general, regardless of the person, for me, it's easier because that. You could sort of throw your body into it. Yes, let loose. If it's a connected, in love, making eye contact, slow kiss oh, with someone with whom you have a deep familial friendship. Yeah, that was hard. I it was can't. us making up after a fight and then like slowly dissolving oh, into oh, each yeah, other. Now like, I really want to watch this. Oh my god, we were just like dissolving into <laughs> giggles the whole time, and then you get embarrassed because you're like. I'm bigger than this. What yes. the fuck? What is happening?
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Kissing for acting used to scare the shit out of me. I did, I did a scene in high school, just like I was going to do like a duet scene with this guy. And um, it was a scene from Prelude to a Kiss, the play slash movie. And um, there was a kiss at the end and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And ultimately I couldn't do it. Like I was panic high school I mean yeah and my theater teacher was like I'm disappointed I think you should have done I'm like you're just horny fuck off like um but like I and then I also did a short film that I acted in in college like there's a kiss at the end and I, I was so nervous and when you see it it's like barely anything it's like the end of Cinderella where like two heads come together it's not like. There's no like focus on it. It's like, you see the kiss, and then they pan up, and like there's no focus. But I was still just like, I can't, and I don't even think I have done any other on-screen love scenes as close as I got as hugging Beth Grant at the end of Tom) <laughs> a sweet warm hug with Bev Grant that who knows we maybe have had sex afterwards but. Who, who's to say? <laughs> who's to say? Um,
1: yes, I've had some diff- I've had some more full-on experiences in recent years yeah for different jobs I will say generally one thing that I always experience that I find funny is well, I love kissing, who doesn't? Mm. Kiss a lot of people mm-hmm. in my real life and at work. Mm-hmm. I think I'm an okay kisser, but still the moment before I have to kiss someone for work, I, my body always thinks the exact same thing. I don't remember how to kiss. Yes,
0: yes. And I don't remember how to kiss. Like? What's this going to look like? Is it going to look like I'm eating their well, face? Wait,
1: what's... how do I what, if I, what if I do it wrong? And then you, almost every time, as soon as it starts, my body just re- is kissing the person. Yeah, and yeah. it's And it's great, and it feels real.
0: Um... <laughs> oh, I just remembered, I did kiss, okay. I made out with Joanna Bradley, um in a uh, sketch called Too Full to Fuck. <laughs> and it was us coming home from brunch and wanting to have sex and being too like too full, full of like fuck. food and shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Good grief. But yeah, no, that was fun. And Joanna made me feel very comfortable. It was fun.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. So that's exciting. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that trying to think if I've ever Had like an experience where I was like, oh, I'm dramatized. (laughs) I did a sex scene with a guy who was also, I knew, we weren't like super close, but we knew each other socially. And it was like a scene on a couch where he, it was also in soft focus. It started and he was behind me and I was like, you know, my poor mother, if she ever hears this, she'd lose her mind because she's never seen this film. But I'm, you know, I'm like on all fours. Oh and my god. Yeah. Um but he in real life was gay. And so I think we made this silly assumption like, "Oh, it, it'll be funny cuz we're both gay." Instead of being like, "We're two human bodies that need to look like we're having sex." It's more nuanced than that. Yeah. It's still going to be involved whatever it's so going to involve. So he was going to you were going to simulate doggy style? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And uh Oh. I also that was an important lesson for me in like advocating for. That was a really low budget indie film that I did when I was very young,
0: yeah,
1: and didn't know how. There was no intimacy coordinator. There was no oh God, yeah. union protecting me, and I certainly did not feel taken advantage of. I the director is a person I trust, but. I didn't know how to advocate for my needs and to be like, oh, I'm a person with feelings and I'm also allowed to be like, hey, hey, this one particular thing, absolutely not, not comfortable, comfortable doing that. Yeah. I was just still in that actressy mindset of like, well, totally. you told me to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I was just taken back to like this horrible um uh, here's here's one of my Weinstein-y moments. Oh, and it's no. like, yeah, this is gonna suck, and I want people to hear this. Um, I was a uh, I was like trying to make it as an actor in Austin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There was like sort of a scene there, and I was like, I would love to just live here. Um, <clears throat> and I was like 20, so I was auditioning for a ton of student films, and I was like auditioning with just the director slash writer, and he had a camera on. No, and the scene was like. You gotta be, you're this, like, hot model. Yes, I auditioned for a hot model. I'm not
1: surprised you're me, you're a
0: piece. <laughs> anyway, I, he's like, you're this hot model who, uh, the main character walks in her and her boyfriend having sex with this girl, right? Okay. So I have to be, like, fucking this guy, but I'm not, you don't see me naked, you just see the back of me, like, riding him or whatever. And so he was like, so I want to, like, do that scene. No! Not yeah.
1: Fuck, man. Yeah.
0: And like, I, I don't really remember it. You know, like I was sort of just like, I can't believe this is happening. This is insane. I'm on this man's lap. I'm riding him on a couch at, at, on UT campus in a weird like white room. And ugh, it was so odd. And like, we got more. I got the part. I got the part. <laughs> got the part. Ugh. Um. And then like very slowly, the whole production fell apart. And like this guy was so fucking toxic that like people were just falling off. And I've had to do so much like healing around that moment because it was, he was such a like goddamn nobody. And I still did this. It was so upsetting. But it was like I never had to do it,
1: you know? Yeah. You know? But that alone Mm -hmm. is, uh, had
0: no idea that how affects your
1: body and your mind, man. That leaves a scar. I, I have one, and I've actually always regretted not talking about this because it was uh, incredibly uh, gross and wrong what this person did to me. But I had just graduated from drama school, mm-hmm. from theater school. I was in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, it was my first ever professional job. I got cast as one of the two leads in this play called Stop Kiss. hmm Um, and by Diana's son and the play is actually about two women that fall in love Mm -hmm. and it's told backwards because when they have their first kiss, a guy sees them and beats one of them into a comma. Oh my God. It's very dark. So, um, I auditioned and I got it and I remember at the time I was certainly out, this was like 2007, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: I didn't mention to the... That wasn't part of the vernacular then where it was like, oh, we want to make sure we're casting queer actors and queer roles. Yeah, no, not at all. They just I was just an actress that walked in, and I got to part. And the guy who directed it cast his girlfriend as the other woman. And for our first rehearsal, they had me go to their apartment. Mm -hmm. And it was the three of us and a stage manager.
0: Holy fucking shit.
1: And we sat on the couch, and he said, okay, well, I just want to make sure we get comfortable with each other so you guys start making out. Oh, my God. And I was like, um, and again... I'm fresh out of school. I have no context for what the real professional world is. And I'm like, oh, well, this is just. And he said, oh, he also said, have you ever kissed a girl? And I said, oh, I'm actually gay. Uh-huh. He was like, oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Um, this really works out for me. But had us make out while he watched, mm-hmm. three feet away, as a quote, rehearsal. Uh-huh. And I hope he hears this. And I hope he knows that what he did was beyond fucked was- up.
0: Fucking wrong, you piece of shit.
1: Yep. And the fact that she... I actually felt in that moment that she didn't want to be doing it either. Yeah. Um, it was grotesque. Yeah. There's no context for any play in which you need to just make out before ever doing any work. Sure, you get to the blocking of the kiss, then you gotta do it. But to sit on a couch in front of this guy who's like sitting you know like AC Slater style Uh-huh <laughs> watching
0: I can't either. and I've
1: just met this woman and I remember just being like, all of the cliches. I left and I felt filthy. Yeah, and Disgusting. I felt embarrassed, and I felt it's worthless. same moment.
0: Yeah, in that yeah, the yep. movie where she's like crying mm-hmm. and like topless. It's like, what have I done? What yeah. the fuck did this
1: happen? And then that guy gaslighted me for not remaining friends with him after the play. Mm. I ran into him once on the sidewalk, and he was like, "Hey, what's the deal?" Oh my god! And I was like, "Well, this is what the deal is." Yeah, you're a creep. Oh my god! Yeah, you're a bad person.
0: What a goddamn nightmare! I, I can't believe how. Often this happens to actors, and how it's just now being like managed properly in any way, and like yeah, never again, never again, never again, motherfuckers, never again,
1: motherfuckers, twenty twenty
0: two. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think those were you. both good, important stories to tell. Yeah, everybody, because yeah. it's like I'm sick of being like, I was such an idiot back then. It's
1: like no, no, no. He also, was the fucker for the purpose of. The theme of this podcast. Yeah. As we both know, like it's not it wasn't even about uh the not wanting to do the thing with that person. It was because it was for the gratification of someone else. Absolutely. We were being used and manipulated. Exactly. And then those people were calling it work or right. calling it art. And it's yes. like that is about the most basely inhumane thing. Exactly.
0: Like, like, he didn't even give you the opportunity to be working in that situation. Oh, my it. God.
1: I was terrified. Ugh. It was so gross. Also, in that same play, I had to, like, straddle the guy who played my boyfriend at the beginning of the play
0: mm.
1: and kiss him. Mm-hmm. And this poor actor would was only wearing boxers and would respond physically.
0: Mm, that sucks.
1: Poor guy. And poor guy was, <laughs> was, I mean... I actually do think poor guy because he <laughs> yes. was mortified. Yes. He was like, "I'm so I don't know what to do. I don't, I'm so sorry." He was trying to like reconfigure his body, this is the worst. just in fits and like fits oh, on the verge of tears. This guy, poor uncontrollable boners. I, like, I don't know what to do here. This isn't my responsibility. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. And, anyway, someone. Yeah, I wonder what they do for that. There's got to be some
1: some like special. Oh, now yeah. I know because now I've. You've worked worked with in TV and there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: no. Now I know now you there know. are things to be done. There's things. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Oh, Jen, thank you so much for doing this podcast. My pleasure. I loved having you. I love being your friend.
1: I love being your friend, and I love talking to you thank about you. all things.
0: Thank you. What do you want to plug? I know you have something big coming out right now,
1: girl. Um, let's see. Okay, so uh I have a show called Severance on Apple TV coming out this Friday, February eighteenth. So I'm yeah. not sure when this will air, but mm-hmm. it will probably be out by the time yes. it does. Yes. Um I'm very proud of it and everyone that made it. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Ben Stiller and also a director named Eva McCardle, who's wonderful. Yeah, and incredible he's cast. With, uh,
0: Patricia Arquette again, which I think the last thing Ben Stiller did. The what was it called? Escape. Escape from Danamar. Yeah, escape at Danamar. Escape at Danamar was the fucking best. Yeah. Where I was like finally clued in to yeah. how good a talented director he was. Oh, he's We're...
1: he's phenomenal. And working with her. It's the same DP as well. for uh, Show. I
0: cannot wait he's to see an this goddamn show. Incredible woman.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's a great cast. John Truturo, Christopher Walken, Britt Lauer, Zach Cherry, Jen Tullock, me, Adam (laughs) Scott is phenomenal. He's going to blow your mind. He's, I I play his sister, um, and he's so good and such an incredible human. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm really thrilled about the show. It took a long time because of COVID to get made and, um, it'll be, yeah. First two episodes will be out on February 18th and, um, I have a film coming out next christmas called spirited with ryan reynolds and will ferrell and octavia spencer oh my goodness um that is a retelling of the charles dickens classic a christmas carol oh my
0: god it's a musical what a dream
1: um so it's about that that's actually also going to be on apple mm-hmm. uh and then right now i'm working on shooting the second season of perry mason but that's oh, all i can say about all that that's
0: but perry mason as we know is a period piece and I just want to say, I am so excited for you getting to work on a period piece. Me too. Because I know how in that oh my God, era you already are. Every
1: time I put on a different piece, I'm like, I'm going like to sing it in the rain. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm having a great time and I really am enjoying the people I work with. So, so exciting. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And thank you.
0: And audience, keep squirting. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>